You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today is Thursday, March 23rd. I'm Erin Fulton with Raven News. Is Visit Sitka doing its job too well? Visit Sitka is a nonprofit arm of Sitka's Chamber of Commerce that operates the city's visitor services contract. And the question about its effectiveness was posed at a recent work session when the borough assembly reviewed the organization's proposed budget for fiscal year 24. Sitka is bracing itself for another record-breaking summer tour season. Much of the focus has been on the influx of cruise passengers. But one of Visit Sitka's big focuses is bringing in more independent travelers. They plan their own trips. Director Lori Boisa said the organization is expecting at least 100,000 independent travelers this year, up from 89,000 in 2019. Really, the independent traveler is the one who impacts our community the most. They stay in hotels, they eat multiple days in restaurants, they go to the grocery stores, they rent cars. Many of them become a part of our community for the amount of time they're here. They go to the music festival, they go to readings at the library. They want to become integrated into the community for as long as they're here. So the independent travelers are the ones who really end up dropping their money here in town. Visit Sitka and the Sitka Chamber of Commerce's budget request totals around $650,000. That would cover everything from personnel costs and website maintenance to special projects like developing a wayfinding street sign system for travelers. It also includes $53,000 towards advertising with a plan to increase social media reach and branded content online. But some assembly members wondered whether Sitka's visitor services should shift from focusing on growth and more toward maintenance. Here's Assemblymember Tor Christensen. I sometimes question, okay, we're spending this money and effort to try and get people to come here, and then when they call to come, they can't. What do I say to somebody who socks me on the street or sends me an email and says, why are we spending money to bring people here when we can't take care of the ones we're getting? Assemblymember Kevin Mosier said he didn't want Visit Sitka to stop advertising, just maintain it. I think you guys are doing an amazing job. That might be the problem. You're doing really, really good. I don't know that I want to get more people here, you know, so to speak. We have a lot of people coming, and that's great. I noticed in there one of the things was to create like a TikTok, you know. I don't know how to say this, or I don't know what to do, but I almost feel like we should maybe pull back a little bit because I feel like we're going to, yeah, technically kind of be shooting ourselves in the foot. Executive Director Rachel Roy said there was still room to grow with independent travelers, especially in the shoulder season. Alaska is a bucket list destination, a place people plan for years to visit. Roy said advertising dollars spent now will encourage travelers to visit Sitka later. Most people, when we were talking to them last year at this time, they were starting to sell 23 and now they're selling 24. Um, Those lodges do not, you know, they only have so many beds. It's the same kind of thing. So I don't think that there needs to be a fear that we're going to have too many because there's not go- that's not going to be the case. It self-regulates itself because there's only so many beds. Since the March 17th meeting was only a work session, the Assembly didn't vote on Visit Sitka's budget. A final draft of the Visit Sitka budget will be reviewed by the Assembly at a future meeting. There will be no commercial Togiak Sacro herring fishery this spring. As KDLG's Izzy Ross reports, The market for the row has dwindled for decades, making the remote fishery financially unfeasible. Fish processors have indicated they will not buy togiak herring this season, according to the Alaska Department of Fish and Games Outlook released on Monday. 
It's the first time there hasn't been a commercial fishery there in decades. That means over 57,000 tons of herring will go unharvested. Alaska's herring fisheries primarily target spawning fish to harvest sack roe, the eggs in the skein of the females. And Togiak's herring fishery was a big business in the late 1980s and early 90s. Japan is Alaska's main market for herring roe, and processors sold it to customers there at over $1,000 a ton. But as the market has declined, so has the price for herring. According to Fish and Game, over the last decade, it's fluctuated between $50 and $150 a ton. That makes it tough for the remote Togiak herring fishery to pencil out financially. The size of the commercial fleet in Togiak has shrunk as well. It used to comprise hundreds of vessels. But last year, no gill netters fished, and just eight per seine vessels participated, hauling in less than a quarter of the available harvest. Togiak herring, meanwhile, are doing just fine. This spring's herring biomass is forecast to be over 300,000 tons, far above average. The department says that that large forecast is mainly due to the survival of two age classes of herring. Most of the mature herring this year will be six- and seven-year-old fish. Water temperatures in the southeastern Bering Sea and at the spawning grounds near Togiak influence when the herring spawn, and the department staff will still survey the biomass this spring. They use sea surface temperature models near Unalaska to predict the run timing. They also track the Bering Sea's ice coverage in February and March. This year, herring are expected to start spawning around Togiak on April 29th. While no commercial fishermen will be harvesting togiak herring this spring, that doesn't affect the Dutch Harbor food and bait fishery to the south, which is allocated about 4,000 tons. In Dillingham, I'm Izzy Ross. The state of Alaska has hired a new leader for the Alaska Marine Highway System. Craig Tornga has been hired as a ferry system's new marine director. In that role, he'll oversee hundreds of ferry workers and a fleet of nine ships. The Marine Director position, formerly known as the AMHS General Manager, has been vacant since the retirement of Captain John Falvey in January. According to the State Department of Transportation, Tornga has extensive experience in the marine industry and management. He started his maritime career sailing aboard ocean-going vessels with Crowley Marine Services, which transports fuel and supplies in Alaska. He spent over 20 years working his way up through that company. Since 2017, Tornga has served as a senior vice president with Kirby Offshore Marine in Houston, Texas. The company distributes petroleum products with a fleet of offshore tugs and barges. Tornga's first day on the job will be Monday, April 3rd. With Southeast Alaska king salmon stocks in a years-long slump, fisheries across the region can expect restrictions aimed at letting more kings return to spawn. But as KSTK's Sage Smiley reports, the region's commercial fisheries manager says there are signs of hope. There is a slight upward trend showing across the region. Like many other Chinook salmon runs in the state, southeasts have been declining for years. Troy Tinas manages the region's commercial salmon fisheries for the Alaska Department of Fish and Game. And this is mostly attributed to the, to the marine environment, whether that be near shore, the, the inside waters, or, or out in the ocean when they, when they get out in the ocean. But they've been experiencing... Poor survival. It's not a not a freshwater related issue or a 
necessarily a, a fishery harvest issue. It's just a, a survival in the, in the marine environment. But recent numbers are looking more promising. Tina says the northern panhandle is faring a bit better than the south. Although still considered poor, the Yassituk and Alsek rivers and even the Chilkat near Haines are forecasted to have stronger runs than southern southeast this year. In general, our forecasts for this upcoming year have been better than what they have been for the past several years. And that's the indication that we're seeing some better survivals out there. And hopefully that trend continues and we start rebuilding these stocks up to a level where we don't have to take such severe restrictions and and then again continue that rebuilding process to where uh, we can start having some directed fisheries on these stocks again. But even with the modest increase, the region's runs are still considered poor and fishing will be restricted for the time being. Tina says state managers have very few options to try and protect dwindling Chinook or King salmon stocks. As far as management and energy goes for, for these stocks, the, the only thing we can do is, is try to reduce harvest, which we have been doing for a number of years, and that's been through emergency order actions and, and then actions that have been dictated through the stock concern action plans that were approved by the Board of Fisheries. Quite a few fisheries harvest king salmon in southeast. Commercial fisheries like the troll, seine, and drift gillnet fisheries, as well as sport and subsistence fisheries. All those fisheries have taken limitations, whether it's been in, in the case of the commercial fisheries, meant non-retention in the purse fishery, reducing and drift gillnet fishery, reducing area that's open, as well as time during the uh, when the shad salmon are running. Same thing with troll fishery. Troll fisheries probably have the, the largest uh, closures in the, in the winter troll fishery and the spring troll fisheries with areas being severely restricted and time being cut. And then in sport fishery, there's been non-retention implemented in a number of areas around the, the terminal areas, especially around the terminal areas of, of these uh, wild systems. Tina says in some cases it's been a dramatic reduction, with allowable harvest as low as 5% of expected runs. We've been doing about all we can do short of having a massive closures in, in all these fisheries. And, and those restrictions that we have been taken in recent years have been very effective in reducing the harvest rates on these stocks. In the sport fishery, much of the inside passage from Ketchikan to Skagway has strict non-retention measures in place until midsummer, except in very limited hatchery areas. Tina says those measures will continue this year, retention limits, time and area limits, pretty much everything Fish and Game has been doing to try and protect Southeast Kings. This isn't, you know, just Southeast. We've seen Chinook salmon stocks up and down the, the coast have been in, in a state of decline. But in southeast, it's, it's from one end of southeast to, to the top end, where we have stock concerns listing for, for the Eunuch River, for the Stikine River, for Andrews Creek, and Taku River, and Chilkat, as well as the King Salmon River. Fish and Game won't set an all-gear King Salmon harvest limit until April. In Wrangell, I'm Sage Smiley. I'm Erin Fulton, and this has been Raven News. <laughs>